Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw. Hello world. Welcome to Shooting It Raw. In this week's episode, we're going to visit our good friend Kim McCoy. Kim shared his uh, his passion for protecting and saving and really raising awareness about companion animals and the law. So uh, listen in, join us. And I hope you guys all had a fantastic holiday, are still having a great holiday, and are about to welcome a fantastic new year. Thank you, and enjoy. Uh, I think photography is art to me. It's, it's a pure form of art. You're looking at something that everyone else can see, but to you it may be something beautiful, whereas someone else may, may just think, oh, it's anything else. Um, so it's, it's incredible just to see how people view the world and through, a, through the magic of photography and the publishing of a photo – you can see different points of view and different perspectives. I mean, um, take for instance, you can take a photo of a sunset and it may be a beautiful sunset and other people may go, oh, actually, it's it's very polluted, very very mm-hmm. cloudy. Um, I've seen this a hundred times before, but to, to others, that's, that's possibly the most beautiful thing in the, in the day. So it's, I think it's a, it's a beautiful art form and it's a great way just to, to put yourself in someone else's shoes and, and look through, look at the world through their eyes. Kim McCoy, uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on. Thank you very uh, much. You, you, you sent four photos and what I love is just getting people's, you know, like you said, everybody has a different perspective yep. and everybody has a different kind of approach and all this stuff. And, and in a previous life, I used to do advertising. Okay. And there's this one book called... Uh, what's it called? Something about killing advertising, something cutthroat advertising, or okay. something. And the idea being that an ad captures your attention when it's a bit bent. Mm. You know, this idea of bent mm. it makes you kind of stop and go, "Oh, that's kind of different." Yeah. Um. So, so I don't know you. I was introduced to you. Uh, happy accident. Really cool. You send me these photographs, and and you're delightfully bent. <laughs> I've been called a lot worse. I think. <laughs> delightfully bent, man. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. Okay, so uh, so let's just dive into the first photo. Okay, so it's an Asian elephant. Yep. It's really close portrait. The and you know what you're doing because the eye is super sharp and focused. It's uh, photographed with what looks like a DSLR. I mean, what kind of camera are you using? That was iPhone. iPhone, no way. It's like the focus is exactly where it needs to be. So in the, in the image, so it's essentially all you see is the top of, for, top of the forehead of an Asian elephant and how the Asian elephants, the skin goes black and mm. it dimples into this kind of orangey cream. Uh, you see the wrinkles around the eyes, the socket, I guess, or the, the bone structure ho- holding on. It almost looks wet. Mm. Almost looks post post washing. If you've been to a place to to wash the elephants, I think this is the second uh, Asian elephant in the in the shooting at raw gallery. Okay, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. really powerful. So so why this image and what what? So yeah, um, 
my fiance, soon to be wife, went to Koh Samui about two years ago, and we were there for a friend's wedding, which um, it's a different story, but we both got food poisoning the night before, so we didn't actually make it to the wedding. No. But we went all the way to Koh Samui. Um, but the day before the wedding and before the, the nasty incident. And that's when you knew that you wanted to marry this woman. Absolutely. The, um, the outdoor single bathroom shared between two uh, hot, yeah. hot summer Thailand. It was... Um, Romantic. It's where it's where <laughs> yeah. hearts are made and broken. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, look, we we had been looking up what to do on Koh Samui. I'd been there previously, very for a very short duration. My fiance hadn't. Um, we both love animals, and so we thought, oh, why don't we go see some elephants? And you know, previously, I had I, I knew about wildlife tourism, um, but I didn't know about why it was bad and the sort of evil behind these tourist traps. So this this place is, uh, I think it's called Kosamui Elephant Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So their philosophy is to rehabilitate and rescue elephants that have been in, you know, elephant riding, amusement parks, um, logging, things like that. They buy the elephants off the the people and they rehome them in these sanctuaries so they can live a fruitful and, and sort of a normal life, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. So we, we went along and it was incredible because we'd never seen elephants before. Both of us are from New Zealand. I mean, we have sheep, we have cows. That's, that's really about it. So mm-hmm. seeing these incredible animals was quite, quite astonishing. And their, their philosophy is you can go around with a trainer and they will introduce you to the the different elephants there, and you can feed them um, el- uh, bananas. You can, I think, you can very gently touch them, but you shouldn't, mm. of course, yeah. too much. And um, yeah, it was just incredible. And to me, why I took this photo in particular was to me the looking at that elephant and the eye of that mm. elephant, particularly. It looked like it had seen some shit. Yeah. It had okay. been through a lot in its yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it felt pain. Okay. And, and I, I felt pain behind those eyes. Mm. You know, a, a lifetime of slavery, essentially. Yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah. And uh, I just wanted to capture that. And I, I wanted to remember that wild animals are here with us. Mm-hmm. And although a lot of them are exploited... A lot of them are used in wildlife trade and things like that. There are really good sanctuaries and organizations that do try and save and protect these animals. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it's it's a picture that invokes different emotions. You can you can look at it and think, "Wow, it's it's really sad." You can see the pain behind those eyes. But then, is it also hopeful? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in a better place. Is it? Do you feel like it's going to live a fuller life because it is where it is now? So, um, to me, that's it's a powerful image. And yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, as a viewer who doesn't know the backstory, elephants are you know when you've been around them and you've seen them and you interacted with them, it's I can see what you mean to have this large animal look at you. Yeah, and we really you know, as, as, as human animals, we really look at each other's eyes for, yep. for cues and everything. And, and 
I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's a very powerful image that definitely evokes a lot of emotion. And as you're telling the story, I can see it in your face as well. So I'm just yeah. like, okay, well, here's a man who's really, uh, who really cares. Yeah. Right? And I can, you know, um, so in my day job, mm-hmm. right now we're in your office. Yep. Thank you very much. No, no, no. Uh, my pleasure. Um, looking out the window, I can see just some towers and a bit of the Hong Kong hillside in the yep. back. Uh, I understand this is a newly decorated uh, office. Uh, it's a uh, very officious, very nice. It's yeah, really cold with the aircon. That's because I'm a wimp. And so, in my day job, we talk about service leadership. Mm-hmm. Right. So, a, a, a firm like this is a service. In a way, you don't make anything. You're yeah. essentially transacting ideas. Right? Yeah. But it, it's you know that's what service is. Service is connection between people. And uh, right now, you and I are kind of exchanging and connecting. And what we say is uh, what really shapes the color or the quality of your service is who you are, mm. right? So your character, mm. your competence, for example, uh, whether or not you can do what people hire you to do, but your character and care, mm. right? So care is a big part of, uh, of service. And, you know, I've done my MBA and I know that in MBA schools, they don't talk about character or care. And, and I love the fact that I'm here. This is full on. This is Admiralty in Hong Kong. It doesn't get more corporate than this. Of course. And this is a nice corporate space. And what are we doing? We're talking about elephants yeah. and caring about elephants. It's, it's kind of, it's fuzzy and touching, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's sort of who I am as a person in both professional and my personal life. Mm. I mean, I'm all about animals and mm. I, and you'll see the photos that I sent through are all sure. animal centric yeah. and I'm a, I'm a barrister by trade. I do criminal law. I do civil law. I do public law, but it's animal law that I love. And it's a really niche area of the law because it, it's not really a set of rules or standards. Mm-hmm. It's you're pulling from different facets of the law. Mm. You're doing, you know, different rules and different principles um, and using that to, in a way, promote or advocate for animals. And that's that's what I want to do. Uh, I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, Kim, wh- why why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. I mean, does it make money? Yeah. Um, and the answer is no, it doesn't make money. But I love it. Yeah. Um, and I want to do more of it. Wow. So how this all came about was, I mean, COVID. Yeah. COVID COVID nineteen. It was a. It was a this is this was a silver lining. Is that it's still happening? I think it's COVID twenty <laughs> XXX now. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Kidding. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So with with COVID, we had um, the suspension of the courts mm. and things like that. So I was sitting there going, "Wow, what what should I do with my life?" Mm. You know, I love my job. I love advocating. I love standing up in court and speaking on behalf of my clients. I love arguing um i'm not very good at it Mm. especially not against my fiance Mm -hmm. um but i i like it so with the closure of courts i was sort of in this limbo i was thinking what on earth should i do so so i I drew upon you know what is it that i like what what do i love in this life and you have to love your job so i I love what i do but i also love animals so i thought i'll just Put them together and see where it goes. And, Wicked. Uh, so far, so good. By Echo, I was introduced to you through Andrea, right? Yeah. And Andrea's with the Hong Kong Shark Foundation. And during the financial crisis of 2008-2009, it was kind of like the COVID where my revenue went down mm. 90%. 
And so I was like, okay, well, I've got this time. What am I going to do? And so I started Shark Rescue. Yeah. So I understand that, okay, COVID happens and you're sitting there going, okay, well, what do I care about? And what, <laughs> so what, what is, you came from New Zealand. Where in New Zealand? I'm from Christchurch. Okay. Christchurch. Yeah, Christchurch. Never been. It's a beautiful place in, in, in the world. It's, it's small. It's quaint. Mm. Uh, it's very far away from anything. <laughs> uh, I've been to New Zealand. Yeah. And my, my, my main impression when I left there was why would anybody leave here? It's, yeah. It's amazing. And I understand the work and the usual, the same thing why I left Montreal. What about growing up in Christchurch made you th- so connected to, to animals? I, I think we've always, as a family, had pets okay. as we as we grew up so um my father loved animals okay. um, my mother she's hong kong chinese he's a new zealand kiwi um so she was very sort of apprehensive you know i don't want animals because things will get dirty uh-huh. and then i'll have to clean uh-huh. whereas my father was quite the opposite you know all living creatures come inside nice, nice. um so i grew up with animals and um as we as we got older we moved to different places and uh, we moved to a farm so the place we have in christchurch it's it's a farm wow. um but it's not your sort of you know thousand acre acre farm it's a it's a small like a hobby farm. It's a hobby farm. We have one sheep. Okay. One. Is it? Okay. One sheep. Yeah. <laughs> we have. Okay. Is not that technically a ship? It, a yeah, yeah. I've never. I've never shop? actually. I think it's a shack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's our neighbors have a sheep farm, and okay. this this sheep didn't want to be part of this. <laughs> this is screw you. I'm going next to the Yeah. Door. It's like wow. Well, you know, grass is always greener. I'm going. And um, nice, nice. yeah. So so we have one sheep. Cool. Um, we have peacocks. Nice. Um, they they're beautiful. Super loud and annoying. Super loud and annoying. Yeah. Make a mess. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we, we have, you know, we've had cats, we've had dogs, yeah. we've had rabbits. So yeah. it's just growing up with animals. And uh, I guess that's just translated Wicked. from being young to, to where I am sure. now. And it's just instilled in me. Yeah. Awesome. Let's move on to the next image because yeah, cool. um, I know what's coming up. Again, excellent photograph. Uh, again, with your phone? All with my phone, I think. Dude, these are yeah. awesome. These are great photographs. Okay, so uh, in it are two cats being cats, being because they're <laughs> lying down next to each other. I would guess this was photographed in the winter. Yes, okay? yes, I think you'd be right. Because generally speaking, cats are a lot more social with each other and closer to each other when it's when it's cold. So in Hong Kong winters, it's kind of clammy and whatever. So cats tend to sleep with each other, with a dog or whoever's around. On the sofa, they're, they're just sort of, you're a good, you're a good photographer. Thank you. These are excellent. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so the two cats are basically looking at the photographer with these really neutral sort of expressions. And, okay, why, why, why do you feel this is representative for you? Well, well these are our two cats. Um, the orange one, his name's Harry. The gray one, her name's Alien. Okay. And... Alien has huge bug eyes. She's mm. she's crazy. She's full of life. She'll you know run around the flat two three o'clock in the morning. Whereas Harry's the complete opposite. He's docile. He's scared of everything. He's scared of his own shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, he came from New Zealand actually. Oh wow! So he they're rescue cats. Um, he's a rescue cat from New Zealand. The, the SPCA there. He hated being outside. Okay. 
just terrified. Which in New Zealand, I imagine, is a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you mean? Like, for a local animal Exactly. So, living on a farm, you'd think, you know, grass, trees, hey, go for it. But he would sit at the front door, and I thought, where in the world could I take this cat where he'd never have to go outside? (laughs) Um, Wan Chai. Yeah, exactly. So, he he lives in Wan Chai, and he loves it. He thrives. Awesome. Um, But he's a big boy. He's, I think, seven and a half kilos. Oh, wow. He's a big cat. Wow, wow. Um, You don't see that in the photo. No. He's a big cat. Is that like a kind of what cats look like in New Zealand? Is that like a kind of... I think so. Yeah, it's a a, beautiful... Yeah, they're... They're built big. So um, why I like this photo is it's animals are family to me mm. um, and I, I care about them deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, we we do too many things for these animals. Right, <laughs> I mean, right. uh, you know, vet bills are expensive sure. here. Food is expensive. Uh, care is expensive. But I have five dogs and five cats. Okay. So I know. You win. <laughs> yes. No, no, I know. I know. It's uh, it's cray Yeah. But you would do anything for them. Uh, um, I draw the line sometimes. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I follow, I yeah. follow. <laughs> um, and, and so this is, yeah, this is me. And this is reflective of, I guess, part of the work that I try and do and want to do in Hong Kong. Mm. So going back to that COVID situation, we had you know, that realization, what should I do? So I started this organization. It's called the Hong Kong Animal and Protection Organization, HKALPO. Um, and the goal behind it is to get like-minded individuals, be they lawyers, law students, students, whatever, whoever, just to band together and start thinking about the problems in Hong Kong related to animals. And a lot of the issues stem from and are directed against companion animals. Okay. And so this is this is my way of sort of giving companion animals a nod. Okay. Um, so that's what you're focusing on, is on companion animals. Compa- companion animals and wildlife. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, there are two animals. sort of, yeah, okay. two veins. But the companion animal stuff is, is a really big problem in Hong Kong. Mm. And I think it's really down to mindset and exposure. So I think... The latest statistics was 9% of households in Hong Kong have pets, Mm. 5% dogs, 4% cats. And so you're talking about a huge population, a huge number of people who just don't interact with animals on a daily basis. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, we go up, you know, walking along Bowen Road or um, along the Morning Trail and you see people with their dogs, and to me, as soon as I see a dog, I have to touch it. Right. I have to. I have to go close to it. I have to do something. Mm. Um, whereas you see children and um, just even adults, yep. they they will see a dog coming and, and they, they will run away. Yeah. They will scream. So to me, it's it's that sort of. We need people to start realizing that animals aren't you know big and scary. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just just treat them normally. So, sure. um, and I think that. That is the reason why there, we have so much animal cruelty in Hong Kong. Mm. And that, it's, a, it's a poison in Hong Kong. Do you think Hong Kong is worse than other places? I, I'm from Quebec. Yeah. Montreal, you know, Montreal, Canada, Quebec. So you'd think, oh, you know, there are breeders out there yeah. who just do it really grossly. And there's animal abuse. And from the, the law perspective, how do you connect animal abuse to child abuse or human violence? Or is there a connection? Do you know? Yeah. Um, I mean... I know of studies which have said people who have committed crimes or, you know, cruelty acts against animals are likely to thereafter Mm -hmm. commit other acts against 
say people. People, yeah. I think there is a line. I'm not a psychologist or no. a, you know, but I, I know there is a line um, that has been said. But it's not even that. I think it's the fact that people think it's okay to commit these acts of cruelty to animals, right. which which baffles me. And in Hong Kong, you see it all too often. It's not just cats and dogs and rabbits. You, you're talking about wild pigs in, in Hong Kong being slashed open. Mm. Talking about pigeons being stabbed with whatever. pencils and whatever through their eyes. It's it's incredible. It just seems like no animal gets any recognition or respect, which is baffling. And that, that really needs to change. Mm. So professionally, how much of your training has been to understand... So, for example, I've done work in uh, forensic accounting. Yep. And one of the, the things that comes up is that people who break the law and, and you know, in terms of white-collar crime mm. usually do it because there's a kind of uh, uh, a dynamic where they think they can get away with it and they, whatever that psychology is. So, mm. the forensic accountants that I spoke with, and some of them were, were from the legal profession and some weren't, Part of their job was to understand motiva- human motivation sure. towards whatever it is. Right? Sure. So, so in terms of your professional training, how much of, of where you're coming from, if you are to represent animals who don't have a voice mm. or anything, so how much of your understanding, how do you tackle the, the psychological, motivational, whatever thing that people will go out and be cruel, then you're just like, well, wait a second, mm. let's deal. So how do you tackle that problem? Yeah, um, that's that's a really good question. And it's something that I've been thinking about for a long time. And it, it's all down to mindset. It's just the mindset of people needs to change in mm. Hong Kong. I think, unfortunately, animals under the law, they're classified as property. Mm. So they're objects. So yeah. if you lose your iPhone, you're going, oh, I need to buy a new iPhone. Right. If you if you lose your cat, the law's going to treat that like, a, like property. Yeah. So you'll get compensation as to what the animal is worth mm. but the an animal is so much more i mean you have a life with this living feeling being yeah. so um how do you put a price on that and that's that's something that i have yet to figure out mm. and um i don't know how the courts are going to either because it's never been asked that's, before yeah but it's also super huge so it's it's, it's super huge yeah. but yeah so it's just it's changing mindset i think if people can start considering animals to be more than just things, right. they're living creatures capable of feeling pain, pleasure, uh, they need love and attention, then maybe people will go, wait, I'm, I, I see a pigeon. Mm. Maybe I won't stab him in the face because <laughs> he's going to hurt. Right. He, I had uh, Paul Watson. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of Paul Watson, but his approach... Uh, to conservation and is very very forceful mm. and I think extremely needed. Uh, he has a clear understanding of where the edge is in terms of the law, and so he understands that there are boundaries that sort of that you, that the law either you can use to your advantage or not or whatever. So this is how I ask questions. I, I go no, meander for a thousand no, it's minutes. Great. And it's then, great. And then, you, you should figure out what I'm asking. You should be a lawyer. <laughs> Dare you, sir. Them fighting words. So what is your frame of reference when you look out into Hong Kong and you go, oh, it's really bad here. Mm. But compared to what? 
mm. you know, like compared to New Zealand, like what is your, your baseline? Yeah, I guess, I guess the baseline is zero. I mean, if you could get zero acts of cruelty, mm-hmm. then that would be great. So yeah, my, ba- my baseline is there should be none. Okay. Um, but if I'm comparing it to different countries, then yeah, I think Hong Kong is very far behind, is very archaic in terms of how it treats animals and how the law treats animals. We have legislation in, in place, the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Ordinance. Mm. It's 70 years old. Right. Um, it hasn't been changed. Yeah. The government had asked for a consultation as to you know what we should include, and uh, amazing organizations and amazing animal welfare specialists have made submissions. Um, our organization made submissions, but nothing's been done yet. Right. So, so we just wait. But yeah, it's it's a very lackluster legal system in Hong Kong when we're talking about animals. Okay. Some things are taken very seriously in Hong Kong. I mean, the current political climate, you already know, some things you just do not do in Hong Kong because you will face severe consequences. Sure. Drug trafficking is always serious in Hong Kong, and, it, and so it should be offences against people, same. But offences against animals is just not regarded as important enough yeah and so that's just a sort of cyclical issue Mm. because one case happens he may get sentenced to xyz a a fine Mm -hmm. so the next person that comes along and goes oh i'm just going to get a fine so what yeah and that that builds the problem because more of these cases happen Mm. the fines or the sentences imposed are low there's no deterrence, right. and so they're just going to keep keep doing it. Okay. So, in terms of Hong Kong, it's very behind compared to other countries such as the UK, Australia, New Zealand in terms of animal welfare and the way the courts deal with animal cruelty, hmm. which is which is I think where where things need to change as well. Okay, and is that something you're you're tackling? Yeah, directly? yeah. So that's one of the 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 goals of the organisation. So. It's to ensure that those amendments that we suggested, such as, you know, we want to introduce a duty of care. So at the moment, animal cruelty is sort of after the fact. An animal has to suffer right. before right. anything can can be done. And that's right. that's very backwards thinking. I mean, you can't stop someone from committing a horrendous act towards an animal um, until it's been done. So the well, part of the amendments are to introduce this duty of care. So people who are in charge of or take control of animals have a duty to ensure that their welfare is met. And if the standards drop, they'll be liable. Is there something like that that exists in other spheres of yeah. people? What's that? You mean you mean in Hong Kong? Yeah. Well, just like like how like if you can say well, for example, if you have a, if you have a child. Mm. You have to. You have a duty of care. Like, is there is there a kind of parallel that you could present? Yeah, the, a child is possibly the best example. I mean, mm. here's a human being who's totally dependent on those who look after them. If the people, let's say mum and dad or the nanny or whoever, fail to do so or put that life in harm, the law steps in and goes. You're not doing the right, right. thing. Whereas in in animal in the in the world of animals, they wait until the dog's been kicked after the fact. Yeah, which yeah. is which is a shame. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so what is the URL so people can find out about it? www.hkalpo.com. Okay. Yeah. Is Alpo a brand in New Zealand? Mm, mm, it could be. <laughs> really? Because uh, I think in Canada, I believe Alpo is a brand of dog food. Is that right? Yeah. So when you said HK Alpo, it's like, is he selling the dog food? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, okay. Why don't you describe the next photograph? Because it's cute. It's uh, pretty sweet. It's, it's a very cute photo. So here we have a blue bucket centered in the middle. Within the bucket, there's a large Ziploc, Snaploc plastic bag. Inside that bag, there's a yellow fish. And from the outside, the left-hand side, looking into the bucket, there's the head of my grey cat, Alien. And she's looking curiously into the bucket to see what's going on. Mm. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert or not? Does the fish uh, survive? The fish survives. Oh, nice. The fish survives. <laughs> yeah. Um, the story of this fish is incredible. Uh, so a former colleague had, you know, she, she believed in feng shui. Uh-huh. And so she got this feng shui master to come in uh, into her room. And the feng shui master said, you know, have some running water, have some gold objects, um, something animate, something alive in the, in this corner and it'll bring you, you know, good fortune, luck, you know, boyfriends, whatever you want. <laughs> and so she followed. And right. so she bought a tank, all the equipment and eight golden kikilids. So um, the African, yep. um, African kikilids. And she, she kept them in their room. The problem was she had no idea how to take care of right. fish. So she had no idea, you know, about water changes, nitrates, food, things like that. And she she came into my room once and she said, you know, what, my fish are dying. I said, well, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, how are you looking after them? Oh, I don't know how. But <laughs> but you've got you've got these creatures in your in yeah, your rooms yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah because the feng shui master told me to sure but just basically clueless on, clueless yeah. and um and i guess that goes back to yeah just just the mindset of people they're, they're things so yeah. why should i look after them if they right, right. bring me luck and fortune then i'm doing well in the end i decided to take take the fish okay. so I, I brought them into my room and the fish seemed to thrive. I mm. mean, we, we had a few deaths mm-hmm. um, until, you know, one day I was cleaning the tank and I found a lot of skeletons there. And I thought, what the hell is going on? Um, and I realized that this fish, this yellow fish, was eating the rest. Oh, okay. okay. So he was he was the alpha male. Right. He, he wanted the tank to himself. So right. um, we, we named him Sushi. Um, and Sushi has been with us for three years now wow. and he's he's in my room still okay um he's a good luck charm for me so sure, sure. yeah okay as far as hk alpo is concerned yeah what is would you say local to hong kong and what is transferable to other cities other societies because it you know mindset in everything is everything right so like in service, service leadership is all about your mindset. So mindset is all. So do you think you need to have grown up with animals in order to have that sensitivity? Granted, we can all learn mm. and everybody can learn. And everybody, but, you know, but some people, it just, that doesn't, doesn't hit a nerve. Um, do you like durian? 
I like I like Jerry. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think of what is it that doesn't really do it for you? Um, clowns. Clowns. I hate clowns. You hate clowns. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you looking at? Yeah. you look at me with those eyes. Yeah. Okay, that comes out of my mouth is clownish. But, uh, today I'm not dressed like a clown. Yeah. But you're, okay. you're good today. You're good. <laughs> but it's just this thing that we can't all be sensitive to everything. Of course. Of so course. the law is there in a way to mm. paint the boundaries of behavior, right? So how do you approach regulating behavior on on what is a really a difficult topic for some yeah. people who are just like, well, I couldn't care less, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. So what do you think? And, and I, I think that's that's it. The current attitude is I couldn't care less, but how things would get better is when people go, well, I do care and I should care. Mm. And so if you're walking past uh, a dog and you can see he's – in the middle of summer, Hong Kong, he's tied up. There's no water. He's got a tight leash around his neck. Owners know he to be seen. Do something right. or say something. Ring the SPCA, ring AFCD, whoever it is. Right. But speak out right. for them. Right. If you see someone abusing an animal, committing acts of cruelty, right. stop them. Call the police. Call SPCA. Do Just do something. I think when everyone starts to do a little bit, mm. then collectively we can all change sure and i wonder i wonder i mean i wonder what the incidence of any if there even if there's even data on this like the incidence of animal cruelty in the population Mm. are there records like that that you've come across yeah there there are and the the figures are quite shocking right okay yeah so i think this is very we're going very ballpark. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I won't be super specific, but yeah. I think the latest ones that I saw was in 2019. There are about 1,200 cases of animal cruelty in, in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And of those 1,200, I think less than 10% actually got prosecuted. Okay. So you've got 100 plus cases going to courts, right. facing you know the criminal justice system being penalized and creating a deterrent effect. But you've got a huge number that just go unchallenged, unprosecuted, um, unaccounted for. Mm. And it's it's shocking. So how would <clears> – <throat> is that something that goes before a judge in terms of how that's looked at or how – I know nothing. Yeah. Explain. So I, I think I think what what those figures show is that – the investigation of animal cruelty just isn't good enough. Right. Um, Because the police have to investigate, Mm. or customs or whoever. They have to investigate. Um, In Hong Kong, animal cruelty is a six-month summary offense. So you have six months from finding the act of cruelty to bringing in a charge okay so it's it's a finite time if you go six months and one day you cannot bring a charge against someone huh. so that's part of the problem with What's anim- the logic it's it's reflective of how the law perceives animal cruelty oh. so this is it's, it's called a summary offense it's akin to jaywalking very petty crimes mm. other other more serious crimes you know the your, your big rape murder things like yeah. that they're tried indictably, so it means there's no time frame right. in which they can bring a charge. But animal cruelty falls in this strange, strange lacuna that that seems to be 
you commit a horrendous acts against a living thing, yeah. but we'll give you that six-month time period. Right, right, and the, and right. the issue is you've got investigation hindrances. Like you're, you're not going to find too many people red-handed right. you know, committing these acts. If you see a cat on the street with a chopped tail, mm. you're going to have to figure out who did that, yeah. how, why, things like that. And for for me, and this may be a very unfair judgment on um, how the, the police work here, but I think they just don't prioritize animal cases. Sure. And so it gets to that stage where they go, oh, it's too difficult, and we'll just leave it. Yeah, or I mean, I think in some cases it's kind of like, and I don't know, I'm not, I'm not, mm. I ne- I don't deal with the police, mm. but I, I wonder if it's more like, well, in terms of how we can do our jobs, you know, as far as investigating in terms of resources, in terms of what we can actually do, maybe because of the way the laws are, the legal system is set up, they know already, well, this won't go anywhere. This isn't worth the effort. Yep. One of the dogs that we adopted or rescued uh, was rescued from a litter where this woman had this litter with mm. her in the house and she was chopping off their paws for supposedly for Chinese medicine. Yeah, of course. So, and so the, the one of the puppies was found in a stream to chop with like three paws chopped off and this the puppy was chucked into a stream and somehow it was saved and one of the puppies that we saved was actually from that litter. So in that particular case... I don't even think even back then there was this move to, hey, let's get the police involved. Mm. And even from what you're saying, well, okay, the, the worst punishment she would have gotten or she at this point, what is the punishment in that case? I mean, it's very fact specific, but I mean, the courts aren't using their full powers. Mm-hmm. So they, they could go to jail, mm-hmm. but jail sentences are uncommon. And when they do go to jail, they're very short. Mm-hmm. So for, for someone like that, you know, she, she could get away with a fine. Right. Depending on the judge and depending on the court, mm-hmm. um, which is incredible to think. But that's the reality. Right. Okay. Pleasant topic. Yeah. <laughs> this fish is still alive, though. Yeah. So she's still alive. He's- you say kicklid? Yeah, is it Kicklid? You say Kicklid? Yeah. Okay, so it, it dip- okay, it's fine. Just uh, see uh, your your outrageous uh, New Zealand accent. It's it's tough to hear. How long have you been in in Hong Kong? I was born in Hong Kong. You're born in Hong Kong. Born in Hong Kong. Which hospital? Sanatorium. Okay. Happy Valley. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, born in Hong Kong. Grew up here until I was five, and then okay. moved to New Zealand. Came back 2014. Okay. So I've been here seven years. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Okay, we got here 2003. Originally from Montreal, I learned a cichlid. But I'm a Canadian, I'm a very French person, you know. It's all incorrect, you know. It's not right. Cichlid sounds good, eh? Nah, you know, I don't know, man. You know, I follow you. You're the English. Um, let's go to the next picture, cool. which is so sweet. This image is very different from the others. One of these things, not like yeah. the others. Um, you want to describe it? You're, I think you're pretty good at it. So go ahead. It's a, yeah. so, paint a picture with words, my friend. So this is um, this was taken at Ocean Park. I remember because it was my birthday, and I like to go to Ocean Park for my birthday because nice. I like I like seeing animals. Yeah. Um, so my fiance took me to Ocean Park, and this is a sort of shadow silhouette of her taking a photo in front of the jellyfish tank and you yeah. can see you know the light from the top 
the tank is a darker blue and these, you know, luminescent jellyfish are just swimming across the, the screen. So it's yeah. an excellent image. Yeah, I, I, I really like this image. I dare say it could be a stock photo image. I'm just joking. It's going on Shutterstock <laughs> today. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's really good. It's Thank beautiful. You. Thank you. Beautiful. So, yeah, like you, you're clearly, it's somebody standing in front of an aquarium making a photograph of these jellyfish going across from bottom left to top right, I guess in terms of the direction. Yeah. You have this kind of ethe- like unreal, ethereal, topaz, turquoise, whatever, uh, light source above, which is a, in, in almost a perfect circle. And the color balance in the light, because photography is ultimately capturing light, yeah. is really nice because in a sense, the, the, the highlights of the light on your fiance's uh, arm, her hair, all this stuff, really reveals, you know, the, the shape of j- just the form and function. You know, you think of black and white photographs, they mm. tend to be more reduced to kind of shapes. And in this image, uh, hopefully people can go on the website or, yeah. or on the YouTube channel or whatever to see it. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful image. Thank you very much. Um, so are you in the process of capturing uh, animal cruelty? <laughs> Is she knocking on the glass and shocking the... the, the... She, she knows much better than that. Um, I think this is... I'm just being a total yeah. ass. I'm really sorry. Yeah, she'll find you. She'll oh, yeah, find she'll you. She'll find me down in yeah. me. Yeah. No, this this is just... yeah, Just beautiful. I mean, we we look through the world. Um, we look look at the world through our, pho- our phones these days. Okay. And so this was just me taking a photo of her looking at jellyfish via her phone rather than right. at the jellyfish itself. Um, I love it, but yeah, I I, I like it. I like Ocean Park. Um, I like seeing animals, and we we try to go every year. Okay. Um, for my birthday, so you see, you are bent. You're totally yeah, bent. You're yeah. not a normal kind of yeah, person. I, You're not run of the mill. I'm very strange. Do you think it's a New Zealand thing? Oh, absolutely. Really? Absolutely. We're all strange there. No, but what? So, like, having been there. Okay, so clearly you're, we get impacted by our environment. Yeah. So you know, somebody who grew up uh, as I did. Under in the winter of Montreal and like the intensity of it, winter in Canada is something that can kill you. It's like it's something you survive. It's like full on, right? New Zealand, wide open space, the incredible landscape, the the, the I mean, it's it's aliveness. It's mm. just so really, it's it's almost like overwhelming, yeah. you know, because it's so big. You, you think about like of all the things you could have chosen while you're locked in because of COVID. Mm. What do you, where do you put your attention? You put your attention to helping animals, companion animals. What have you achieved in the past few months that you can sort of share with other people to kind of join your movement? Yeah. So one of the things that we want to do is just keep highlighting different areas of animal welfare, um, which we find in the news. So we try and report on cases of animal law, animal welfare, um, you know, wildlife crime that's happening around the world. So we can we can see what's going on in the world, and just judge that against how Hong Kong is. So okay, um, that's that's something that's been crucial and important to to me in terms of this organisation. Getting people reading about animal news and then thinking and challenging themselves. Okay. How does that fit in terms of the Hong Kong scale? Is that sentence in Australia going to be reflective of what they would get here? Do we get 
you know, that many pangolin scales coming through Hong Kong or um, is, is this case completely different? So that's, that's one of the things. And the, the second thing is, well, and a, and a more personal mission of mine is to take more animal cases to court. Wow. Um, wow. And that's, that's something that I would like to do, but it's difficult. It is, it's very difficult because, I mean, people just don't want to because going to court is expensive okay. um, and it's troublesome, it's, it's laborsome. But I, I hope people out there reading these news articles, learning about how you know, animals feel and are, they'll go, oh, actually, no, I want to do something on behalf of my cat, my dog, you know, this, this mm-hmm. organization. So I'd like more cases to go through court. And through that court process, I'd like the courts to start punishing people mm. more rigorously and more reflective of what their crimes are. Okay. I know, I know Andrea's, Andrea's been on your show and um, she does great work for the Hong Kong Shark Foundation. And Hong Kong's the wildlife hub. Um, illegal wildlife trafficking through Hong Kong is, is just mad. Yeah. And the sentences which these criminals are getting really pale in insignificance in compared to what the value of these wildlife products are. Right. So you've got, you know, tons of pangolin scales coming through Hong Kong. They're getting caught and the guy's getting a slap on the wrist sentence. Mm. Sure, he, he goes to jail. But is he going to do it again? Yeah. Yeah. So, so if you could have one thing change within the next six months of all the things that could get all of us moved forward mm. or whatever, what, is there one strategically important thing that stands out? Or is it all kind of like we have to move everything forward a little bit? I think it starts with how the law treats animals. I think when the law recognizes that animals aren't things, right. they're living and breathing, then you, you can understand and you can sort of rationalize why you would impose a serious sentence. So somebody who, isn't, who hasn't studied law and isn't a barrister and all that stuff, how does the law do that? How do you get the law to all of a sudden go, oh, okay, these bits of property are not property anymore. They're mm. beings. So how does that happen? Taking more cases to court. Oh, really? It's purely... Challenge, challenging what the status quo is at the moment. Ah. Um, so we there's a, a wonderful barrister and professor at Hong Kong U, Amanda Whitford. Okay. Um, she's one of our project managers um, for Alpo. Mm-hmm. She's, she's, I would say, the inspiration behind the work that I want to do. Mm. Um, she's, she's incredible. And one of the things that she's uh, started is wildlife victim impact statements. Oh, okay. So, I mean, in, in criminal law, you have victim impact statements. So you've got uh, uh, an aggrieved mother who's reading to the court how the crime by this person has affected her. Oh, okay. And the, and, the, and the court takes that into account. Yeah, it's, it's extremely powerful because mm. it's, it's so raw. Yeah. Um, so what Amanda's done, which is just incredible, and I think she's done it with Kaduri Farm. So she's, she's created these 
uh, wildlife victim impact statements in terms of illegal wildlife trade. Mm. So when a court has a, a case before it in relation to certain wildlife, then in, when he's sentencing, he's going to read this wildlife uh, victim impact statement, which will, which will demonstrate, you know, what the species is. Is it CITES 1, you know, Appendix 1, 2, 3? How many are left? What is What does the removal of that species do to the ecology environment from where it came from? Does it have any, you know, uh, other things that we should be aware of mm-hmm. when we're ta- considering sentencing? Because right. until then, it's just... You've got twenty tons of pangolin scales. Okay, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. it's Most twenty yeah. it's twenty tons, but there's a frame of reference. No, to understand the no. Severity. How many how many animals is that? Yeah, how yeah, do yeah. you get the scales? Um, wow. you know, CITES one things like that. So wow, wow, wow. that's something that's really powerful, and I think um, will help. Yeah. Okay. Look, man, I've we've been here for almost an hour, and it's been really great. Uh, you're delightfully bent. I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> Um, That'll be my tagline. Now. No, yeah. <laughs> it's like you don't have to ever use it or hear it again. I love this kind of work. I love that you're doing this and that you're motivated. So in the next six months or whatever, in terms of how would you like people to come to you and support you? Is it just to visit the website? Is it like how to, to get involved? Yeah. Um, one of the, the, the easiest ways is just to, sign up as a member on our website. Okay. Follow us on social media. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll stay up to date with the things that we do. Mm. Um, on our website, we've got an events page. We've got, you know, blogs and news people can read about. But also just, I think, just read the news mm. um, and just think about these these animal welfare issues. And hopefully we can get this... Um, this organization to, to a, a place of sort of some sort of authority where we right. can start really making changes. Sure. Because that's, that's the end goal. We want positive changes for animals and animal welfare. So. so one of the things that my client and I talk a lot about is like, how do you make, for example, like in, in this, in this office, right? How do you make character and care and values important? Mm. So what he did at DHL was he created this global net where character was important. And so I was like, well, how did you do it? And he goes, simple. We just talked about it. Yeah. So if we don't, if you don't talk about it, it it's not, it's not going to be in, in mind. Exactly. So, you know, with shark rescue, my thing was to raise awareness. So are there resources on your site for people to learn and talk about beyond just the clips and the, the, the articles or. Yeah. So one of the, the things we'd like to start this year is just to, to get some of our members into you know, Zoom lobbies and just talk about some of the issues that are going on. If they have questions about animal welfare, things that are happening in Hong Kong, just and just sort of getting them together in the same space where you can just sort of bounce ideas off, bounce questions off. And hopefully from there, you can disseminate that information. It's all about education and, yeah. and awareness. Kim McCoy, you're the man. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Great. This is cool. I love it, man. Thank you. Here, let's uh, bump elbows. And that is a wrap. Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw.